0: Okay, Smila Smila Rahman Rahim and Hamdan Laihir Alameen, Son Allah who وسلم Sayyidina Muhammad, while any he was a happy or seldom. The way in the والدعاء للهدى والدلالة عن الخير بذِغاء مرضات الله ووجهه وقلبه والثوابه اللهم افتح علينا بحكمتك وانشر علينا برحمتك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام يعلم علمنا من علمك ما ترضى به عنا ولا تؤخذنا بما تعلمه منا يا حليم خلقنا بخلق الحلم وحققنا بحقائق العلم سُبْحَانَكَ لَا إِلْمَ لَنَا إِلَّا مَا عَلَّمْتَنَا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْعَلِمُنْ حَكِيمُ وَصَلَى اللَّهُ وَسَلَمُ عَلَىٰ سَيْرِنُ مُحَمَّدُ وَعَلَىٰ أَلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ وَسَلَّمُ بسم الله So welcome back everyone after our break Hoping everyone is doing okay Hoping everyone is still safe and healthy Uh, I know we're probably in the same boat that Seeing a lot of people getting sick and hearing a lot of cases of people being sick, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect all of us and our families and our loved ones and our community and our broader community and our frontline workers and essential workers um, and so on. Allahumma ameen. Uh, so, bismillah, we're here in 2000. 21, and we're going to be beginning now on these Sunday sessions a reading and commentary of the Burda of Imam Busiri, رضي radiAllahu taala and so uh, we'll begin that tonight. Just so you know, uh, largely I will be using this, the mainstay commentary on al Burda by... Sheikh Ahmed Ibn Ajiba, which is translated by Abdul Aziz Suraqah. Um, It's done quite well. Some of you may be familiar with Abdul Aziz Suraqah. He's a good translator, mashallah. And um, Ibn Ajiba, you may or may not be familiar with. We'll talk a little bit about him in the beginning. He, my wife, uses him a lot in her tafsir class. So uh, he has a a book on tafsir that's pretty famous That she references a lot in the tafsir class And um, he has other works as well Which we'll come to Um, There's also another one that I kind of looked at a little bit This is the Borda Imam Ghazali Institute published this one recently Um, It's kind of like this and It doesn't have that much Commentary It has a little bit But it's meant to be read So it's it's more The intention behind it Is more that you can read it And recite it and stuff And it does have a little bit of commentary You see on the side There um, For each little like section uh, So this one's nice too mm, There's another uh, version of the Borda That's in English I believe I have it right here actually yeah, This one The Mantle Adorned Which was translated and done by Sheikh Abdul Hakim Murad And this one doesn't have really any commentary But it's very beautiful So again the idea is to kind of Just Enjoy it So all of those are there I think um if you're looking for kind of like some meaning Then the first one is a good option uh, If you're looking to recite it And make it kind of like part of your worship life Then the second one is good um, So we'll, we'll do that um, Also in, in Arabic I will do my best to review at some level the commentary of Imam al bajuri as well uh, Before Before the sessions uh, His is notable Because he's later uh, Ibn Ajiba's is later too I mean he as we'll see He died in 1809 Of the common era um, And Imam al bajuri Is kind of similar uh, But uh, His is a little bit more it has, its, it has its benefits So I'll try to review it as well um, Inshallah There's some other ones I don't really have them is the problem In uh, Arabic books are harder to come by Imam al-Bajuri's I have the PDF PDF gets tiring to read In these things And I also have the PDF of uh, I believe it's Ibn Hajar al Haytami's Commentary on the Burda But it takes a little bit of I wish I could get them in print But Allah mustan any case, we'll, we'll begin. Um, the idea with the borda, I think is important to kind of put in the beginning. There's a number of things to kind of think about as we go into it. Um, the first of them is that, you know, there's different kinds of, how should I say, texts, and there's different kinds of interactions with texts that we can have. And the Burda is a poem that is meant to be sung as an act of worship, you know, as an act of praising the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and remembering him and his life and his noble qualities and so on. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And so the idea with that is not always to have like a really deep commentary, but rather to go through the work and understand whatever is in it and being said. And then um, be able to thereafter whenever I'm reading it I, I have now the keys to unlock What it is that I'm engaging with And I can have my own reflections And my own um, sort of internal back and forth with the text So it's not always For example Ibn al Haytami's commentary is, is really uh, long I think it if I'm not mistaken, the one they got published recently was like almost a thousand pages. So it's it's very expansive. And they, I, we don't want, want to really do that. We want to, as you usually see with the things that, that I teach, I try not to spend forever on them. We try to get through some things. And um, because, you know, we want to learn, of course. <coughs> but my general assumption is that People who are attending these sessions are not here to like become a ulama. We're here to learn and to become, you know, to, to, to benefit some things and to deepen in our understanding of the religion and try to improve upon it. And so uh, sometimes, you know, we keep things rather simple. And I myself am not from the ulama to be able to uh, give much more than what we already give. Allahummausta'an. So we'll begin, inshallah, this text. And um, So that I think that was the I think that summarizes The things that I was going to say about it Yeah But I You know the other thing is that We want the Burda to become part of our life It's definitely a work That Has been used in a devotional context Since its writing So it's And and we'll talk about that When that was That's about 700 years ago So (coughs) For all of that time now the Burda has been used As a means by which To worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That might sound funny To to people, it really shouldn't But I've noticed that sometimes now In Kind of like in modern Muslim communities We have really strange understandings around things So Someone might feel like kind of funny about that There's no reason to feel funny about that I mean people used to use Bukhari As a means of worship They read Sahih al-Bukhari as a As a um, Act of worship Not just an act of learning But an act of like I'm praising the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam I'm learning about the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam And learning about him And saying Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Is a devotional act As well as an intellectual act And so uh, The Burda is like that Even certain verses Are said to have um, Certain benefits We won't get into that too much But But You know, it's not uncommon for people to take The Burda as like a weekly recitation That every week they'll get together and they'll read it Or they'll read portions of it We used to do that on Thursday nights Believing together When we used to get together We used to read the Burda almost every time Some part from it Uh, So, inshallah, may those days come back Okay, so that being said We're going to begin with the biography Brief biography of Shaykh Ahmed ibn Ajiba and Hassani So this is the commentator The commentator Uh, Perhaps I might even change the name of the the class To call it the mainstay Just to kind of differentiate it Some of you may have seen On the SoundCloud There was a class that I did on the um, Burda About five, six years ago now And um, it was probably a little bit different than this one will be I used to go off on like really long tangents And we'll see how things go But uh, that's there on SoundCloud But it's um, it wasn't based on this text until the end This text was published Actually that would be a good way to know This was published like right towards the end of that class 2015, yep And uh, in that class we only finished the first three chapters of the Borda so the poem of the burda is 10 is 10 chapters we only finished the first 3 so uh, the biography of Sheikh Ahmed ibn Ajiba he died in 1224 after hijra which is 1809 of the common era 1224 1809 which is as you can tell pretty recent about 200 years ago 200 years ago is pretty pretty recent in the grand scheme of islamic studies uh, his full name is because uh, in the Zikri him, Rahmah, mentioning the names of the Salihin, mercy descends, as Sufyan ibn Uyayna said. Ta'ala anhu. Uh, he is Abd al Abbas, Ahmed ibn Muhammad ibn Mahdi, ibn Husayn ibn Muhammad al Hassani, al Shadli al Darqawi, generally known as Sheikh Ahmed ibn Ajiba. He is Hassani, as you see from the title, meaning he traces his lineage back to Sayyidina and Hassan ta'ala and from him to Esseyyida Fatima to the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi Wasallam. So he is from Ahnul Bayt. And he was born in the year seventeen sixty eight. Shows you he didn't live actually very long. Um what would that be? Fifty one. Fifty one years. Um and it was in a village that's between Tangier and Tetouan, Tetouan. I feel like Tatooine is probably part of the inspiration for the naming of Tatooine For the Star Wars fans But And, and Star Wars was uh, filmed Like portions of Star Wars wa- were filmed in uh, Tunis Tunisia So it's possible But Tatooine might be the influence for Tatooine But in any case This is in modern day Morocco his family was well known for their moral rectitude and sainthood, and the signs of righteousness appeared on him from a very early age. Uh, we've we've talked about before this idea of the word sainthood, and sometimes people. Fr- um, uh, it seems that for some reason, some of our Islamic discourse has often um, has often been largely kind of based upon how we can draw. Differences between us and others, and that sometimes has been kind of like anti-Catholic, in some senses. Um, but so so anything that has to do with Catholicism, then people get really like sensitive to it, you know. But uh, sainthood is is an interesting concept. I don't know the details of sainthood in Catholicism. It seems to me that it has something to do with. Widespread miracles being witnessed On the hands of the person um, And of course they're known for their piety And stuff like that But in in, in our case it's not actually so different uh, A wali And this is this is referring to a wali From someone who's from the awliya The assumption would be that they're someone Who's of outward rectitude You see good from them And um, And Oftentimes some sort of miracles have happened on their hands Saintly miracles So there's no, no need to get really agitated about that um, It's just to say that his family were, was a family that was known for piety Or a family who were known to be people for example whose dua is answered People who amazing things happened in their company and around them And so on uh, He recalled in later years that he never missed an obligatory prayer and even in early childhood he spent half the night in worship So this is what we mean when we say that This is a family where sainthood was known to be uh, part of their whole situation Is that, you know, they, he used to spend half the night in prayer as a young person uh, He memorized the whole Qur'an and many didactic poems Before going on to study the Islamic sciences And then moving to Tatooine at the age of 20 20 so he leaves his hometown at the age of 20 to go pursue Islamic studies even deeper. And at that point, he's already memorized the Quran and he's memorized a number of poems in the various Islamic sciences, which is kind of standard. You know, that's kind of standard, especially for how things used to be up until, I don't know, maybe 70 years ago. It was pretty standard, even for like the ulama and azhar. You would kind of expect that for people who were from scholarly families, that they will have memorized the Quran at an early age. They will have memorized many texts from an early age. Um, you know, I was talking to uh, Sheikh Ahmed Saad recently, Allah preserve him, and he was saying that uh, some of you may know him. He teaches in English from the UK or in the UK, and his father was a scholar, and he grew up in like the Azhar system. And he said, you know, because of his father, and, you know, and, and they were kind of firm on these things, he memorized the Quran, and he memorized Al-Fiat bin Malik, thousand line poem on grammar, at a very early age, uh, before he started to go into other things. So this is kind of common, he did that, and then at 20 he went to go uh, study more seriously, and he continued to seek knowledge, receiving licenses to teach, and taking up teaching positions in the city. At the age of 40, he moved to Fez to pursue advanced studies with the most erudite scholars of his time. So, you see the progression. In his early years, he lays his foundation in his hometown. Then he travels to like the, an, a closer, bigger city to his hometown when he's 20, and continues his studies even further, and begins to teach, and then at the age of 40 He leaves again to, to the the big center of learning In Fez Which is one of the, the big centers of learning Historically around the Muslim lands And um, Begins there After two years he returned home And dedicated himself to the remembrance of Allah So after like two years of doing that He's like I'm done I'm going to just go into worship mode um, He's still kind of young here at this point 42 But One thing that we would see sometimes in Egypt which I thought was really cool was whenever you go to the masajid at Fajr time any masjid that I went to at Fajr time I found a little group of old men and they were there every single day for Fajr and they would sit together and they would drink their tea and they recite some Qur'an and they have their little jalsa they have their little gathering, their majlis and every day they did it and this was kind of like you can tell there's there's kind of like an, an embracing of the aging Like okay now I reached a certain age it's, it's not for me now to be like busy with all kinds of organizational stuff Planning and doing this and that And all of these type of things that people get involved in a lot oftentimes when they're younger But now I'm older It's for me to just sit down, worship Allah Make dua, try to do the best that I can and this is the stage that I'm in right now. And of course, you still meet people and you talk to people. You give them advice. You you know, but you're in more of like a, almost like an an advisory role, a a, gr- a grandfather role in a sense. And you would see kind of like an acceptance of that. But he's a, after two years, he went back. he Used to worship Allah. After he went back, even he decided to sell all of his books and his vote himself completely to worship. So he's like, that's it. Getting rid of all of it. So he sold all his books And he's like I'm just going to worship That's it And um, You know But As fate would have it He was teaching for another 15 years And There's a quote I don't think I'll be able to stumble upon it right now Upon Allah It's a really good quote though If I remember I'll, I'll bring it next time There's a quote that he brings Ibn Ajiba brings in his commentary on the Hikam we've covered the Hikam in the past of the, Ibn Atta' the second he has a commentary on the Hikam there's a quote that he brings in there I believe on the second Wisdom that talks about kind of like this issue um, of wanting to leave teaching and then in the end he still ends up teaching for 15 years And by that time, many, many people had benefited from him. Many of the great scholars of his time, or the scholars of his time had already benefited from him. Um, And, you know, he was known for his worship. He's known for his teaching. Miracles are appearing on his hands. He decides to go back to Fez with the intention of visiting his teachers and those known for righteousness. And on the way, he traveled via Beni Zarwal in order to visit the great and famed Gnostic Mawlai al-Arabi al-Dangkawi. And his foremost student, Daraqawi's foremost student, the Gnostic Muhammad al-Buzidi. Um, these are very famous people in the world of spirituality. Uh, Mawlana al-Arabi Dhanqawi has Daraqawi uh, has, there is a small work that has been um, partially translated of his. I believe it's here. <sighs> Uh, letters of a Sufi Master, Sheikh Dawqawi. Forward by Martin Lings, and uh, it's quite interesting. It's a quite cool little book. Sheikh Dawqawi. These are his risa They're like his um, his own letters. He his reflections or letters that he wrote to people. Um, <coughs> it's quite interesting read. As, as we've said before, we don't shy away from the word uh, Sufi in, in, in our lessons or tasawwuf. And, um, you know, just to put it like very bluntly, if someone has some sort of issue with sharia-based tasawwuf, sharia-based tasawwuf, not something else, sharia-based tasawwuf, then, you know, they can take their problem up with the last... 900 years of Muslim scholarship They don't have to take it up with me They can take it up with the last 900 years Because pretty much everyone That is going to be quoted Everyone that is going to be referenced Is going to be from these Is going to have some sort of connection uh, Near or far To these things I see that the audio Is off for some of you Unfortunately our internet here is kind of whack So it may drop in and out at times But it shows it for me Okay, alhamdulillah uh <coughs> So he went and he visited these people is the point He visited Mawlay al-Arabi al-Dangawi uh, And he visited Muhammad al-Buzidi ta'ala anhum uh, To seek their barakah To seek their blessing And to get their dua And uh, both were happy to see him and said that good would come from him. Al-Darqawi made dua that he would be like Imam al-Junaid. and who is like the imam of the people of Ihsan. Like the four imams are in fiqh, He's the imam of the people of Ihsan. And al-Buzidi prayed for him to be like Shaykh ibn Qadr al-Jilani, radiallahu anhum ajma'in uh then he started to roam the lands basically and teach people and you know do his thing and uh eventually he was in tatuan and his he was imprisoned and such was the effect of his presence and teachings that the entire prison was transformed into a zawiya after all the inmates inmates repented of their past and took the spiritual path so they put him into prison when they put him into prison All of the people in prison rectified themselves, made toba, and became like serious worshippers. And uh, he basically he went to different towns and he faced a lot of similar problems. The leadership in those towns didn't like the influence that he had. You know how it is. Usually people who are in power, if they're not uh, good, they don't like anyone else who has power. So even if someone's doing a lot of good things, they have too much influence. Becomes a problem. But eventually uh, the leadership in uh, Tangier changed and he kind of like settled a little bit. Uh, he has Inqad al Himam, which is his commentary on the Hikam that I mentioned, that I referred to. He has Al Bahr al Madeed, which is his commentary on the Quran, which I also mentioned that my wife uh, uses oftentimes in her uh, sessions. And um, He has many other works as well There is an English language His autobiography Is translated The autobiography of a Moroccan Sufi Ahmed ibn Ajiba Um, You know, like if you're into these things, read it If you're not into these things, don't read it Because uh, You know I don't know how to say it, but like the, it's clear that the pre-modern experience was different than the modern experience. And so like the way that these people lived, the miracles that they experienced, the things that they saw, sometimes it's hard for us to swallow, especially as like Americans. Um, so if you're like, you know, not everyone should read it. If you're into that kind of stuff, go for it. If you're not, just leave it alone. Uh, But if you read it And you find things to be kind of like Strange or weird or whatever You know, keep in mind Everything else that we said about his biography Before the age of 20 And then from 20 to 40 And then so on and so forth And also keep in mind that You might find very similar things Reading other biographies of great scholars Throughout Muslim history So Take it as it is. He died in twelve twenty four after Hijrah eighteen o nine, during the lifetime uh, of both of his teachers. And may Allah subhanahu wa taala be pleased with him. Okay. So now this is. Uh, that's Ibn Ajiba. Ibn Ajiba. We're not going to use all of his commentary. I'm just using it as kind of like a skeleton. Okay. Number two biography to open is the biography of Imam Abu Abdullah Muhammad ibn Sa'id al-Busiri Al-Busiri Who is the author of the poem Okay, so the second biography is that of the author of the poem He died in 694 after Hijra, 694 after Hijra, And which is 1294 of the common era 1294 of the common era um, this period that he lived in was uh, an extremely just wild time. You know, this is kind of similar for like people who watch Ertugrul and stuff. This is a very similar uh, time period. The Crusaders are all over the place. Um, the The Mamluks are battling with the Crusaders in Egypt. He was part of these battles, him and his teachers. Shaykh Abdul Hassan al uh Shaykh Ab- uh, Al-Izza ibn Abd al-Salam um, uh, Ibn Ata'ila they were, they were, These people were all contemporaries um, Also in that time period is like Ibn Daqiq al-Eid um, uh, Many others, subhanAllah In this time period, like huge names I don't know what was going on There was some sort of revival happening So he, he's the poet the truthful and sincere lover of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu His full name is Muhammad ibn Said ibn Hamad ibn Muhsin ibn Abdullah ibn Sanhaj ibn Hilal ibn Sanhaji al-Busiri In the year uh, 608 He was born in the village of Dalas, Dalas, In the region of Banu Yusuf ibn Said in Egypt Where his mother had grown up So he was born in Dalas. And uh, you can see that his asl is that he's Sanhaji Which is usually from North Africa uh, Like the Maghrib But somewhere in his lineage many several generations back mm, and This is not so uncommon in Egypt I've seen this from a number of people in Egypt who, When they go back a number, several generations Their several generations ends up in the Maghrib uh, in any case, he spent his youth in Busir, his father's village, which is a hamlet between Fayyum and Beni Suif. Um, so that's where Busir comes from. Busiri. Busiri. Some people say Buseri. Um So a lot of these names of like villages and stuff end up with multiple pronunciations. While still young, he immigrated to Cairo and in one of the small mosques there he memorized the Quran and learned the elementary sciences of the sharia and the arabic language and he had beautiful handwriting so he actually made money by writing people's tombstones by writing tombstones and then uh, as a calligrapher as well as being uh, a poet and serving in public offices in in the town or the city of cairo um he worked as a clerk he worked basically in civil and as a civil servant in the local government. Um and all throughout he's still a poet. So, you know, he would go through the different things that he goes through as 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 working in the government and then if he got upset, someone might get smashed with a poem. And so he started to have some difficulties here and there. Um so it says as a result al Musili compiled a number of invective poems Against them, exposing their infamies About people that he was disgruntled with uh, In the civic service uh, Soon that kind of like Gave him problems with Egypt's political elite And they began to spread rumors about him And stuff like that And he was removed from all of his government work He was in Cairo Went back to Cairo Tried to start a school It didn't really work out either And eventually he decided to go to Alexandria decided that he's going to leave Cairo He's going to go to Iskandariya, Alexandria Which was known at that time as well As like a place of piety And a place of knowledge and so on And that, and that's where his Sheikh Abu al-Abbas al-Mursi Radiallahu ta'ala anhu Lived So he went and he stayed with him Or he stayed close to him uh, When we did the Hikam We mentioned that Ibn Taala Was also a student of Sheikh Abu al-Abbas al-Mursi and how amazing it is that Sheikh Abdul Abbas has one student who wrote a work that really deals with fine-combing our understanding of Tawheed, which is the Hikam, the spiritual wisdoms of Ibn Al and his other student who is Al Busiri wrote the most famous poem praising the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi of basically of all time. And uh, so between his two students, you have the Shahadatain. You have a shahaduwan la ilaha illallah, and you have a shadouan, a na muhammadan rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Al Abbas was uh, an amazing figure. One of the stories that's told about him was that one time the three of them were together. He was with three of his students, all of them together. One of them is Ibn Ata'illah and the other one was Al-Musiri And the other one was Al-Izz Ibn Abdussalam Al-Izz Ibn Salam. I believe Dr. Miriam Shaibani wrote her PhD around him uh, He's a really interesting figure Very famous jurist And he was sitting with all three of them And he told them one after the other He told Al-Izz you're going to be an accomplished jurist And he told uh, Al-Mursi And uh, he told I'm sorry, Ibn Ata'ala You're going to be given wisdom from Allah Allah is going to give you wisdom and then he told Al Busiri that uh, he's he's going to have like a special uh, rank in praising the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So he he foresaw this Abul Abbas and Um Now Al Busiri then his poem. Uh, he he did all these other poems and stuff in his life, and then eventually he turns to praising the Prophet and he writes the burda, and. Um, it's actually called An The celestial lights in praise of the best of creation. But it's known as Al Burda. It's known as the Burda. Um, the veritable jewel of the Diwan of praise poetry in Islam. This ode has remained a source of inspiration for poets who have for many generations striven to follow in al sirris footsteps. So this is really like famous poem, Praising the Prophet Uh, Why it's called Al-Burda, we'll get to in the next part Um, uh, One of the things that's interesting about the poem and about a lot of some of the Arabic poetry at least that I think is interesting is that sometimes poetry becomes really difficult and inaccessible to people And sometimes it's not, you know, like sometimes something's really beautiful, but it's not overly complex. And part of its beauty was that the maker of it was able to break it down and put it out in a way that is accessible. So one of the things that I think is beautiful about the Burda, for example, is that it's a remarkable piece of poetry in its beauty And its accessibility And its um, How people have received it And yet at the same time It's not like Overly complicated You know the regular person And I think that's part of it Is that the regular person can pick it up And read it and listen to it And feel inspired by it and, And go about what they were doing One of the really famous modern Kind of inspirations on it Is Nahjid Burda by Ahmed Shouqi Ahmed Shouqi was a very famous modern Egyptian poet uh, Nahj al-Burda Basically means like on the on the approach of the Burda And that's a text that's studied for example Like in the Azhar High School we study that It's very beautiful also So Al-Busiri passed away in 694 In Iskanderia, in Alexandria At the age of 87 Radiallahu ta'ala anhu and he's buried there, close to, um, uh, close to the burial site of his teacher Sheikh Al Abbas and Mursi, ta'ala anhu. He also wrote other poems praising the Prophet ﷺ that are very famous as well, like Al Mudariya al Mudariya and Qasiratul Mudariya fi Madhi Khair al Bariya the Mudriya ode in praise of the best of creation and also in qasida and muhammadiyah which we have read also on our uh, thursday nights uh, muhammadun ashraful a'rabi wal ajami muhammadun khayru man yamshi ala qadami this is th- he also wrote that poem radiyallahu ta'ala anhu al-busiri and he also wrote another one that's famous called the hamziyah hamziya in praising the prophet sallallahu alaihi wa sallam may Allah have mercy on al-buṣīrī grant him a goodly abode and may he benefit us by the fragrant breezes of love whose redolent scent comes from his praisings of the beloved and chosen one sallallahu alaihi wa alihi wa bismillah so now we get to the introduction the introduction this is the introduction of ibn ajiba um, I didn't really take from some of the other ones so much because I just felt like we don't want to overdo it. It's n- it's it's n- actually I'll say that at the end. So um, he gives the usual biographical stuff that we already mentioned and mentioned some of his teachers and his students and so on. Uh, they say that the reason for his writing of the Burda was that he was struck with a paralysis that affected one side of his body. And um, when he was struck with that, he you know, was in kind of like a sort of despair. He didn't know what to do. And um, one of the ideas that he thought of, the doctors didn't know what to do. So sometimes they say It was his idea Sometimes they say Someone suggested it to him In any case He decided to write a poem Praising the Prophet Sallallahu Will Wasallam And kind of like Present this to Allah To say like Here's a, a, a small attempt By me to praise the Prophet Sallallahu Will Wasallam And you know Accept this And maybe by means of it Grant me some sort of Cure Right We can You can do that That's actually accepted Agreed upon Across the board The idea of Seeking Allah's aid Through a righteous deed So to say like Oh Allah I gave this and that in charity I did this or that I was, If I was sincere when I did it Oh Allah help me with this situation that I'm dealing with Or whatever it might be So he wrote the poem Asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give him shifa uh, Through this poem After he had done so He saw the Prophet in a dream And the Prophet touched him With his blessed hand And when he awoke he had completely recovered from his ailments. When he awoke, he completely recovered from his ailment. So he saw the Prophet in his dream. The Prophet touched him. When he woke up, his ailment was gone. And some in some versions of the story they say that when he recited this poem to the Prophet, the Prophet put his cloak on him. And when he woke up, he was healed. Um, and that would be the Burda. The Burda is the cloak. Um There's another story behind it also That might be the reason why the name is there as well Which we'll come to in a second After he awoke he left his home And as he was walking down the street He ran into one of the fuqara One of the people who are committed to asceticism and piety and so on And uh, the man asked him to recite the poem to him And he's like I wrote the poem, I went to sleep Nobody knows about this poem Other than the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Who I read it to in my sleep, right? And he wakes up and he goes walking And the man says, recite to me the poem Praising the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam And he said, which one? And he said, the one that starts with min jiranim salami, mazajtad dam'an min bidami. You know, so he's like he, rec- he told him the first line of the poem So he's like, okay So he said the poem to him <laughs> And he realized like, okay, this is, inshallah, this is, there's something amazing about this, right? Like, he, he was healed from it, and this man knows about it. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, he gave him a copy of the poem, and he realized that it was, you know, alhamdulillah, inshallah, it was something that was accepted. The man took the poem to others, and he told them what happened between him and Bulsiri, and news began to reach the powerful people who were around, one of whom was named Bahadine, and it made such a uh, impression on the he was a wazir, he was like a, you know a government official, high ranking official, and it made such an impression upon him that he took a vow that he would only hear it while standing up barefoot and bareheaded. So this wazir was like that's this poem is too it's too beautiful. So I'm only going to, if I hear it, I have to stand up I'm going to be barefooted and bareheaded Like in a state of complete humility And uh, he would recite it frequently Listen to it attentively And it became the constant companion of him and his household Uh, Sa'd al-Din al-Faruqi Who would attend these gatherings of the wazir Was afflicted by an eye disease That left him on the verge of blindness During that time he saw in a dream He saw a dream in which someone said to him, Go to the the wazir Baha'eddin and take the burda from him and place it over your eyes, you will be healed. So this man went to the wazir, he told him the dream. Uh, The wazir didn't know what the burda was, which poem is the burda, because it wasn't known by that name at that point. He said, I don't have anything called the burda, all I have is an ode praising. And mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Composed by al-Busiri And we seek healing through it and use it for our sick So he gave that to him The man put it over his eyes And on the spot he was healed So then they say this is maybe one of the reasons Why it was called the Burda Because that's what it was called Referred to in the dream And Allahu alam It is also said that the Sheikh al-Busiri Was afflicted with a severe case Uh uh, of this, and there's different stories around it as well. in any case it's a story it's it's a poem that like these stories around it are in multitudes in multitudes, uh, all throughout you know the books of history and the books of uh, biographies and so on and so forth. Uh, the other thing to say about it, so it became known as the Borda. The other thing to say about it would be to say that the f- it's not the first Burda The first Burda poem is the Burda of Sayyidina Ka'b ibn Zuhair was from the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam And Ka'b was a poet who was the, the son of a poet And he was an enemy of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Uh, And his brother was a Muslim So he was an enemy of Islam His brother was a Muslim And he's like a second generation at least poet He was a very well known poet in the time of the Prophet And he wrote a lot of poetry against the Muslims And against the Prophet And you know saying all kinds of bad things And uh, his brother basically one of the stories goes that his brother kind of gave him a heads up that on different things that happened in the later period of the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he pardoned basically everyone except these poets who were speaking against him and against the Muslims and so on. Because it wasn't it's not just a matter of like they wrote a song. It's that they were extremely influential politically and socially. So the poetry was like the news. It was the public um, medium for public discourse So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Was not f- pardoning poets And different things that were happening So Cobb's <coughs> brother kind of like gets him this news And uh, You know tells him like you, you better be careful And like maybe you should think about your situation and so on So it happens That Cobb actually has a change of heart And Believes in the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and believes in Islam but he doesn't know like what should i do so what he decides to do is he decides to come directly to the prophet sallallahu and be in front of him and tell him the situation and see basically what he does like put his cards in that basket not to like send some you know he's going to hand deliver the message so he travels to medina and he travels with a cloak and um <coughs> Uh, he travels and he's kind of like covered And he he, arri- he arrives to Medina at Fajr time And he prays Fajr with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam And he approaches the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam And he sits in front of him and he says Ya Rasulullah, if Ka'b ibn Zuhair was to come to you And apologize for everything that he did And seek your forgiveness and accept you as the messenger of God Would you accept him? And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says Yes, I would so Ka'b takes off his, like his hood And he says Here I am Ya Rasulullah Sallallahu are they And uh, Like You know It's a joyous moment uh, And the Prophet Sallallahu Takes his cloak And he puts it on him So this is the, the Burda He puts, takes his cloak And he puts it on him And uh, uh, Because I, I can't remember If it was before or after But after, Like basically When he accepts it He stands up And he says Ya Rasulullah Here is a poem That I composed Praising you and praising the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi and everyone else, and he starts to recite it in the middle of the Masjid to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and and the companions are listening and the prophets listening, and he's. They said that at certain points the prophet like gave indication to the companions like listen to this part, listen to what he's saying right here. This is <laughs> this is stuff you should listen to, and um, and then he gave him his cloak, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So, this is like this is the first borda. The first borda is actually the borda of Ka'b ibn Zuhair, radiallahu ta'ala, Ahlul Sayyidina. And then this one comes much, much later. Um, so, that all leads us up to the beginning of the poem. That all leads us up to the beginning of the poem. Um someone said my mother says my grandmother recites to the w- the Burda on the water and treats them when they had minor insect bites. You recite the Burda on some water and they put it on the uh they put it to protect from insects basically. Yeah, people do people found different kinds of benefits for this stuff. Is that, you know, Someone would say, Oh, that's a that's a bida, it's a blameworthy innovation. Um, you know, there's there's texts of uh I mean these things are uh, It's not that there's a text against them So it's kind of like bit It's by experience Someone may find that They might try it They might feel like They might be reading a verse From the poem And be like Oh this verse I think It seems like there's some sort of indication here That it could be a protection from this or that And they might do something And if they find that it works Alhamdulillah Call it a placebo Call it Allah There's barakah There's blessing in these things. There is unseen. Someone I was talking to recently actually said that he's been in the process of memorizing the burda. He's a convert too, mashallah, Like a a white convert. Um, And he's been in the process of memorizing the burda for however long it's been. He just takes, you know, like a verse or so every night um, and and memorizes it. And he said, and... uh, like in this version, there's some commentary in the beginning About different parts of the poem that were said to be beneficial for different things Like if you're going through XYZ, you can recite this, this line from the poem And people have found that there's benefit in that And uh, one of the things that he said was that in memorizing it He's, um, he's like found those things happening, subhanAllah, in his life I wasn't trying to give him away SubhanAllah Sometimes I make a mistake I come on Zoom And I see like the people on Zoom And I forget that like uh, I'm like on a public platform Uh, There are many white converts in the world You never know who the person might be And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from him That's a really amazing thing uh, Alright, so we have to at least do the first line Inshallah we'll do the first line And um, and then we'll move on So Bismillah rahman rahim The first section of the poem Is what they translated as Nostalgic Rhapsody and Love Complaint Nostalgic Rhapsody and Love Complaint We're not going to finish the first line We'll just open it um, the tradition of Arabic poetry is to start the poem with basically a love story. Even Ka'b ibn Zuhair, who's reciting his ode in front of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, started it with that. Um, it's escaping my mind right now, but uh, um, even he started it with that in front of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And so it's it's what they call al muquf 'ala al-atlal, al muquf 'ala al-atlal, which is to stand on the sites stand at the sites where you remember your beloved. And there's something that's really important about this. That's why I said we we can kind of like open it a little bit. We're not going to get into it, but uh, today um, and basically the idea is that the Arabs were nomadic right and they lived in tents and they traveled from place to place and the image is the image of the lover coming upon the remains of the campsite of the tribe of the beloved right so the beloved is camped in a particular place they do whatever they do there. They're going to burn some fires. They're going to do their thing. And then after a little bit of time, they're going to move on to another area because they were nomadic. And so now the lover is coming who's longing for their beloved. And they're seeing the the ashes in the ground and the, the marks in the earth where the tent pegs used to be and maybe the animals, even the animals, uh, you know, droppings and stuff like that. And all of that to them is just... A, remem- a reminder of the beloved and so the, the, the tradition of Arabic poetry was to begin with this scene regardless of what the person is writing about they'll begin with this scene of kind of like longing for the beloved and uh, the the burda the is no different in that regard it begins with about 10 verses I believe of longing for the beloved <coughs> And kind of like discoursing with oneself about the feelings that they have in that whole situation, which also is something to kind of like reflect upon. Um, it's taking taking yourself, so you feel this uh, deep love and longing and 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 um, distance from the beloved, and so on and so forth. That's leading to certain emotions. And you take that and you put it as if it's a third person and then you have a conversation with them. So This is oftentimes what would happen in these opening sessions. So they said like, what's the reason why he would leave that when he's talking about the Prophet And Why would he still do this like love story type thing? And one of, the re- one of the wisdoms they said behind it is that the reality of it is that it... <coughs> It stimulates the heart, right? Like these, the 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 love story stimulates the heart. It opens the heart. It gets the heart to, to start thinking about these things. To, to allow itself to enter into the realm of emotion, and the realm of love, and so on and so forth. And so, there's it's still important to do. And of course, in in his poem here, his beloved is the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So it's not like he's uh, calling out to some sort of like illicit. Relationship or something—it's not what it is here. Uh, he's calling out to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi and that is the beloved, al-Habib al-Mustafa Sallallahu It's a longing for him. Um, <coughs> so the idea is that it should shake the heart. The wisdom behind mentioning these things is that they stir the listener and evoke yearning in the heart for the object of praise. They get you. They they get us in the they get us in the mood so to speak or they get us in the, in in the zone for what is to come. Um, and that also is something to, to think about is that these, not just in this but in a lot of things in life, um, how we set the stage is extremely important. And we talked about that a lot in the majlis because, you know like the idea of burning incense before people arrive was intentional right? the, like, the idea is that when you enter the space you smell something good or when you have someone who greets you and they ask you how you're doing or they offer you something to drink that's also intentional because it makes you feel a certain way as you're coming in um, the color choices have an effect on the person the design of the room has an effect on the person You know, it's like sometimes people will say Hey, you know, they invite you to give a lecture or something And then you go to the lecture And the lectures, you know Almost no matter what you do The lecture is a disaster And it's a disaster because the way that the room is set up Just won't work Like one time we came to a lecture And the room was really narrow Okay, really narrow and long And the speaker was in the middle and the brothers are on one side, and the sisters are on one side. So actually, the middle of the room is empty in front of the speaker, and the two wings have people on them. And to talk to this side, you have to turn all the way this way. And to talk to this side, you have to turn all the way this way. So it's just never going to feel right. Like the, It's not, it's not going to work. And, and there's probably, in that case, not a whole lot you can even change about the room to fix it. Sometimes there's things you can change um to to help the situation the point is that the setting matters the setting matters Um, there's a lot that can be said about that but you know i i learned it from this concept in particular was taught to me by my brother-in-law who's a filmmaker There's like the the angle that you take the lighting that you use all of these kind of things are going to affect the way that the person experiences it. And he would also bring that into like if he invites someone to his home, he's going to host them in a very particular way. Like every experience is going to be affected by the setting. So the poem that's going to praise the Prophet Wasallam, the setting that leads into it is this first chapter on love. And the second chapter which is on purifying the soul. So there's the third chapter begins the praising of the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But the first chapter is on love And the second chapter is on purification of the soul And both of those are necessary precursors To engaging in the praise of the Prophet sallallahu send And really getting something from it So I think that's a good place to stop Next time inshallah we'll begin on bidami <laughs> And we'll begin to talk about that (coughs) InshaAllah If anyone has any comments Or questions or anything uh, They are welcome Observations Anything you like InshaAllah the floor is open Do the cloaks exist in any museums? Uh, there is that one the um, they say is the is the cloak of the Prophet that's in the museum in Turkey. Um Allahu Alam. If it is, it's plausible. Um, It's a, this one. You find it you can find it online if you search for it. But that's a that's the one that's said to be the cloak of the Prophet um, Uncle Charlie, it's very good to see you, thank you. Um, the books there was The Mainstay Commentary on the Burda by Sheikh Ahmed ibn Ajiba. There's This leather bound Burda by Imam Ghazali Institute For those that are in the US I think it might be distributed by someone else in the UK But in the US Imam Ghazali Institute um, There's also I mentioned The letters Of Mawlai al al-Darqawi, And I mentioned the autobiography Of Ibn Ajiba. Both of those are published by Fons Vitae. You can find them on their website. Um, Fons Vitae being F O N S, V I T A E. I can't remember if I mentioned anything else. It's also worth noting that this came in the mail recently, and this is phenomenal. Rial de Sanahin. This version of Rial de Sanahin phenomenal. It's um, it's not the whole thing. It's an abridgment. It's based on the abridgment of Yous- Sheikh Yusuf al-Nabhani. and Nabahani, um, and it has the comments of him and a number of Syrian ulama who worked on it together on a commentary on the Riyad al Salihin called al I think it's behind me. Uh, so it's like. Shorter in terms of the absolute number, it's not several thousand, it's like uh 700 hadith. But each one has a little commentary, too. Wisdom of the hadith, it's very beautiful, very well done. Very, it smells nice, too. Um, so highly, highly recommend that one. I've often recommended that a home should have Riyadh al Salihin. My only concern with that was always that sometimes you need just a little bit of commentary on the hadith to make sure that you understood it right and the ones that I had found for Riyadh al in the past had commentaries that I didn't really like very much and this one is very good so mashallah it's really good I think you know like kind of thing that every home should have Chaplain uh, Sundus are you which which one which one are you referring to in your question Oh, An Nawawi. The original Riyad al Salihin is by An Nawawi. And this abridgment, the publisher is Turath, Turath Publishing. They have some really good publications. Uh, so it's it's based on the original, they just abridged it. And the and the commentary is largely taken from a work called Nuzhat al Muttaqeen. Uh, which had a number of Syrian ulama who worked on it Amongst them, Sheikh Mustafa al-Bugha Layar And um, Sheikh Mustafa al-Khin I think was on that one I'm not sure actually But I know Sheikh Mustafa al-Bugha was um, And others I don't know why I can't see it SubhanAllah In any case And they took their commentary They tried to like Make the Old commentary of Ibn Alan, Which is like one of the famous One of the famous commentaries on rial al They tried to make it more accessible for the modern time Anyways, this is a big tangent Alhamdulillah <laughs> It's a good book though, I'm really excited for it Really nicely done, very clean And Alhamdulillah all right. Allahumma bihamdik illa We ask you, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, Ya Allah. By the rank of your prophet and by the rank of the righteous people, we turn to you, Ya Allah, and we ask you to make us from those who love the prophet, Sallallahu alaihi to make us from those who worship you in all of our affairs. We ask you, Allah, to let us drink from the ocean that is the knowledge of the Prophet and to make us from the lovers of the beloved we ask you Allah to accept from us our deeds and to forgive us of our shortcomings to be the wind that lifts our sails we ask you Allah to protect us and our loved ones and everyone else from this horrible uh, pandemic and we ask in particular for a safe and um a safe transition for our country uh, as we move into this new presidency Allahumma Ameen and we ask you, Allah to uh, alleviate the pains that any of our attendees may be feeling Allah uh, cure them and give them ease by the blessing of this poem and by the blessing of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Allahumma ameen. wa sallam wa sallam wa sallam wa wa sallam wa wa sallam